Welcome to TNT Sports Talk. Today is Tuesday, May 21st. My name is Truman Karcheski, and I'm back in the studio. I'm with Travis. Oh uh, yeah, we're back in the studio together. Uh, obviously, it's been you know a busy two weeks. Uh, you know, I've been working a lot, um, so I haven't been on the show. But you know, I'm going to try as much as possible to get back on here, and I'm excited to be back on today. Got to rush through it today, though, because you got an Apple appointment a little bit later, right? Yep, my phone's a little screwed up, so we're going to get that he's fixed. He's got to go into the Apple store, so he's trying to rush through this. But we're going to get through these topics uh, and talk about everything that we need to talk about to get through today's show. Um, it's been a wild weekend. We had our first softball game, first softball game from the league we're doing uh, on Sunday. Truman's shaking his head right now because it didn't go well, right? No, it didn't go well. I mean... Personally, I think I played pretty good. Would you go two for three? Two for three. Two um, singles. I went zero for three. Uh, I had a fielder's choice, so I did get at least get a little bit on base. Got a little rubber under my foot, but we ended up wasn't good. We ended up losing. Uh, combined score between the two games, thirty-one to three. Only got through four innings for each game. We played two games, doubleheader. We played the best team in the league, and we got absolutely. Uh, annihilated. Uh, I think we only got what, what is it? Four innings to get through one game. We only played four innings the first game, four innings the second game. But you know, it was a lot of fun, and you know, a lot of people that we've had on the show play in that league. So we're gonna continue to update you on that. Um, if you remember Brian Leonard, you guys know Brian, our baseball guy, uh, didn't show up. He absolutely. What are you trying? To, what are you doing right now? Going. Well, you can hear that in the mic. But you know Brian Leonard, uh, our baseball guy, he didn't even show up. He was supposed to be starting pitcher. He didn't show up. Um, so we were kind of lost there. So Johnny had to pitch a couple innings. Bailey also had to pitch some innings. And, uh, you know, it just didn't go well. But uh, we had fun. First of many, you know, a minor setback for a major comeback. That's what I like to say. We are going to absolutely, you know, hit our groove. And we're going to absolutely start to, you know, hit and uh, really take over that league because we are the most athletic and we are, you know, the most fun team in the league. So watch on that. We're going to do updates every single Tuesday on that league. But let's start with the other league, the NBA right now. We have the NBA playoffs. Last night we had a game between the Warriors and the Blazers. And again, water's wet, sky is blue, grass is green, and the Warriors are back in the finals. It has become... A staple of the NBA the last couple of years to see the uh, Golden State Warriors in the finals. And last night, after a win, they were able to take it out with a sweep over the Blazers for nothing. Um, and now they get you know a week, up to a week I believe of rest. I mean, what do you know if Game Seven? What day would that be for the Bucks? Um, it'd be two days. It'd be sometime. I don't the know. Weekend? Two days in between each game. So maybe Sunday. Yeah, something like probably Sunday actually. So right? yeah, so it's like it's a week at best. Maybe you know I think it's nine days. Nine days is at best if the game if the Bucks uh, Raptors series goes to the absolute brink. The best would be nine days, um, which is huge for the Warriors because they're gonna get Durant healthy. Demarcus Cousins will be back. Iguodala's banged up. Curry's always banged up, so they'll get him back, and they'll just be able to dominate whatever team they face in the finals. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to take the Bucks to Game 7 to close the Raptors out. Um, I don't think it will either, but... But I think, um, yeah, obviously rest is important, and I would have liked to see the Trailblazers give the, Bla- or, um, give the Warriors as much a series as they could, but they couldn't. Um, the Warriors just too good. 
And the fact that they did that without Durant uh, just staples it in that they're just the most deep, talented team in league, league history, in my opinion. Um, you know, because they swept a very, very good Blazers team without arguably the best player in today's game. And, you know, you add that back into their fold, I think the Warriors are going to be hard, hard to beat. Um, as a Bucks fan... You know, I look at that, you know, it scares me, but I, you know, I think we have a very good team as well, but, you know, I think we'll get into that a little bit later, but yeah, the Warriors are back in the finals, just, you know, it's, it's getting hard to remember years without the Warriors in the finals. Yeah, and I think what's scary about this Warriors team is from this series, we've seen that Kevin Durant is not a necessity for them. He's more of a luxury, which is crazy to say about, I, my opinion, the best player in the world right now. Um, you really, they really didn't need him, and they didn't need Demarcus Cousins either. But now they're getting, you know, two of. Well, I don't, I don't think Demarcus Cousins is that great anymore ever since the Achilles tear. But you're still getting back, you know, Kevin Durant, the best player in the world, and Demarcus Cousins, who is still a force to reckon with. And you know, I mean, they started the lineup last night with Alonzo McKinney, who you know is like a G League player who's come on as of late. I mean. At the end of the day, yeah, they have one of the most talented teams in league history. But I think Steve Kerr, I think I don't think his ability to really, I think his impact on these teams has been uh, dramatically underestimated. I think he's been one of, if not the best coaches in the NBA the last couple of years. And yeah, it's easy to coach a team. Uh, easy quotes, um, you put that in quotes to coach a team with this much talent. But still, I mean, he's had to face, you know, some challenges here and there. And he's set this whole thing up. And I think Steve Kerr, I mean, where would you rank him an all-time NBA coach? I mean, I'd go top ten right now. If he, Especially if he wins a fourth title. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's just hard. I mean, it's hard to say. Um, there's so many great ones. And Steve Kerr's record will always be blemished by the fact that he had that many great players on his team. But that's um, sad that that's a blemish. When you won four, possibly four titles. Yeah, I know, but you're just your coaching is going to go underrated. I mean, people could easily, easily say you could put anybody out there and just let Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green play, and anybody could coach them to a title. Um, I disagree. I think he is one of the greatest coaches. You know this this game because um, you know that's a lot of personalities to contain, and you know that's a lot of personalities put in place. That's a lot of people who want to score the ball. That's a lot of people who want to be great. That's a lot of people who want to win MVPs. Um, and Steve Kerr corrals that all, uh, you know, and he, you know, I think he's, the, you know, you compare it to Eric Spolstra and the way he did it in Miami. Um, you know, Steve Kerr's kind of taking that to the next level uh, because, you know, obviously they've won uh, three out of four championships and going to their fifth. Uh, so, Steve Kerr's done a fantastic job, and I think his coaching does go underrated. Uh, but as far as you know, all-time great, he'll always have a blemish on his record because he has four all-stars on his team. And we're gonna see how long this this group, this core group, can come together. We're gonna see how long they can keep it together. Um, and I think you know, as long as Kerr's coaching, hopefully, you know, you kind of he kind of wants, I guess you could say, you know, you don't want this to end, right? You don't want this core group to break apart like it might in the off season. But if he did end, you know, I think that would help him if, you know, he does well with a team that doesn't have as much talent. He takes a Warriors team that, you know, doesn't have Clay, uh, Kevin Durant, Draymond, and you know, he takes them as far as he can. I think that could help his legacy as well. 
Yeah, if they lose a Kevin Durant, if they lose, you know, a Clay Thompson, and Steve Kerr keeps this crap all together, and they go back to the finals and they keep it going, then I think you're looking at, you know, possibly, arguably one of the greatest coaches of all time. But you know, we'll see when that comes. You know, I'm not too sure on everything imploding like people are saying in Golden State. I wouldn't leave. Uh, but you know, it is what it is, and we'll see. But at the end of the day, if you're Steve Kerr, you're riding high either way. So. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a unique situation, too, because uh, each piece, I mean, you could say it's Kerr. I think a big part of it is Kerr. Each piece of this team, is it works so well together. And I think you get rid of a guy. I mean, people say Draymond's not that good. But you take away Draymond from that team, and I think that team suffers a lot. I mean, you saw his leadership on the court. I think Draymond's one of the most important pieces they have. It's, he makes it, he molds it so well together. I mean, you, did you see the clip where they're like, Jordan Bell missed the dunk, and he's yeah. like, hey, you know, he picked him up. He's like, hey, everybody's missing shots. Uh, we've all missed shots here. And, you know, his stat line isn't as impressive as Curry or Clay or Durant, but he just, like, what he does off the stat line is so important, and I think that's a huge key. And then Clay, like, Clay is thought of as the third piece on that team, but he is. The best, I think he's top five defender in the NBA today. He just locks up guards. He completely shut down Damian Lillard in the last series. And I just think, you know, it all works and meshes so well. And I think we'll see them, you know, go for their fourth. And if they keep it together, I don't see a you know, reason why they couldn't go for their fifth and sixth and seventh as long as they keep the core group together. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Warriors are just going to be hard to beat um, as long as they keep this core together. Uh, you know, as a Bucks fan, you know I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and talk up the Warriors that much because I do think that if there is a team that can beat the Warriors, I do think it is my Milwaukee Bucks. But it's tough. Uh, the Warriors are the class of the NBA right now. As much as some people hate to hear it, uh, they are probably the greatest team of all time in my opinion. Especially if they were to win this fourth title. Uh, and people just need to get through that through their head. As much as they hate it, as much as they do not want to see the Warriors hoisting that trophy again, they are a, a heavy favorite and um, could easily do it again. But at the same time, they got to go through. In my opinion, they got to go through Giannis. So we'll see. All right, let's get to Giannis and the Bucks. Uh, that series right now, Bucks are up two one after a double overtime loss on t- on uh, Sunday. Um, you know, that was a good game for the Raptors. I think the Raptors really obviously needed that win um, to keep them alive. I don't think they would have lost. I think the Bucks would not have lost that game if Giannis doesn't foul out. I think if Giannis stays in that game and continues to play that entire game, I mean, I think that would have been as close as it would. I mean, the Raptors sort of, sort of pulled away at the end, and that was because Kawhi just, you know, absolutely dominated. But... Um, if Giannis stays in there, I don't think Kawhi has that big of an impact. I mean, Giannis had a pretty bad game, and I don't think he'll have that bad of a game again. I think the whole Bucks team will have a better game overall. I mean, yeah, the Raptors played like crap too. I mean, I think uh, Danny Green shot like 0 for 8 from 3 or something like that. Uh, there was a stretch there. So I think both teams played kind of bad, but I think overall the Bucks' upside is better than the Raptors' upside. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, obviously, you know, I've watched this series unfold uh, really closely um, as a Bucks fan, and I just think that Giannis isn't going to play like Giannis did 
yesterday or he will, on what Sunday. He had, he had 12 points. It's a crap ton of turnovers. Yeah. Um, he will have less turnovers and he will have more points. Um, whether that's whether he plays Giannis level, I mean, I don't know. But all he has to do is just be good Giannis, and I think the Bucks will you know, win this, win this series. Uh, and I think that's, you know, he's the MVP of this league, um, whether you want to argue that or not. And, um, I think he realizes more than anybody, uh, that that was an unacceptable performance. And if they do want to win this series and go on to beat the Warriors, he can't play like that. You have, you have to be better than that. And if you're the star, if you're the, you're, if you're this team's franchise, um, you have to you have to play better than you did in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, same with Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe has disappointed me so far in this Eastern Conference Finals. I love him. He's you know outside of Giannis, he's my favorite player on the Bucks. Uh, but he has to be better than he's been. I mean, his free throws, um, you know, his three point shooting. You know, he gets very good looks and you know doesn't put them through. Um, but they need Eric Bledsoe to step up. I mean, George Hill has been a fantastic addition for this team. But at some point, you have to stop relying on George Hill, and you have to go to your core guys like Eric Bledsoe, and Eric Bledsoe has come through, um, which I think he will. Um, another one like Giannis, I just don't think he will have another bad performance like he had in Game 3. Um, you know, Same with Middleton. Middleton was probably the best of our core uh, big three, but he's got to be more consistent. He's got to you know make his shots more. He's got to take better shots um, at times. Um, you know, and he's got to take shots at times. Sometimes I saw him passing up threes that I wish he would take. Uh, but the Bucks just have to rely on those three. Uh, those three just have to be better. Um, as much as I love George Hill, love Pat Connington, um, love Brooke Lopez, you know, those are secondary guys to a Malcolm Brogdon, a Chris Middleton, a Giannis, and an Eric Bledsoe. Those are the guys that really have to step up. Um, that's the stars of the Milwaukee Bucks, and the stars need to out shine in the playoffs. And um, I think they will. And I think, you know, I, I know you'll probably say some stuff, but I think that this could be a gentleman's sweep, um, you know, 4-1, just because I don't think the Bucks are going to play that bad. And the Buc you saw, even if the Bucks play that bad, they take them to double overtime and nearly beat them. I think in this series, even if the Bucks, let's say they lose tonight and it goes 2-2, I'm still not picking the Raptors. I think the Raptors, Kawhi Leonard, I mean, you're going to disagree with that. I think Kawhi Leonard is the best player on the court. And he's single-handedly carrying the Raptors. And I just don't believe, I don't know, and I don't believe he can carry this team, you know, anymore. I mean, he's been carrying them the entire playoffs, the entire season. I mean, Lowry's a nice player, but he's just not, you know, a guy who can really compliment a guy like Kawhi. I mean, Kawhi Leonard played, he played like 90% of that game, and he just did not let up at all. I mean, his defense is amazing uh i'd even go far as say it's ferocious use that type of word i mean he's just it's tough to carry a team like the raptors when you're Kawhi, and that's why i think he will leave at the end of this season but again if let's say the raptors win tonight and they tied up 2-2 i still wouldn't be worried if i were you um because i still think you know going back home to milwaukee is going to help i I don't. I have not seen one thing from the Raptors that shows me that they could beat the Bucks at home, and I think the Bucks could beat the Raptors at home. So I think that's going to be the key. I don't think it's going to be a gentleman sweep. I bet you it goes six games. Um, I mean, I hope it goes seven games. I'm still rooting for the Raptors. I'll root for them as hard as I possibly can until my voice is gone. I will root for the Raptors because I don't like to see Truman sports teams win because. I mean, nobody likes to see Truman sports teams win. Um, and 
I personally, um, I think this is, you know, I'm going to cut you off because I know you're just going to keep talking about that. Uh, I just think this is... Um, you said your goal was not to be as obnoxious. And I haven't, have I? No, you've been obnoxious during the games, but you haven't been as braggy after. I know, because I realized during the Brewers' playoff run last year... Brewers, uh, the Brewers... Um, Wisconsin. Bucks, I always Wisconsin. give. I know, and I always bite myself in the ass. I said it, and on I show. have been very. It's a cycle. You start to root for your teams. You start to talk tons of crap. Your team really loses in a really, really heartbreaking fashion, and you just get extremely depressed because everybody now because you talk shit to everybody. When your teams lose, everybody gets their sort of you know come back at you. Yeah, I know, and I have been completely respectful during this playoffs. I've just been low-key. I've been golf-clapping the, the Bucks text, up. The text messages and some of the group convos have not been respectful. Yeah, I have not talked shit to anybody. Um, I just, you know, it's been very hard for me to contain myself at times, but I am just taking a different approach to this playoff run for these Bucks. Um, I have realized in the past I've got myself in trouble with the Badgers and the Brewers and the Packers. Uh, but I am being different for this Bucks team, and I truly think this is going to be a gentleman's sweep. Um, like I said, uh, the the Bucks at their worst can almost beat the Raptors at their best, and that to me shows um, should show me enough to predict this Bucks series um, as you know in a in a five game six game um, outcome. So I think the Bucks are going to win this series. And I think they are going to get the Warriors, and it will be a lot of fucking fun. Uh, still, you won't get past the Warriors, in my opinion. And I don't think anybody will be picking up the Bucks. I will um, be. Well, yeah, you will be because you're a Bucks fan. Um, so why wouldn't you be? But you, it looks like now you only really have two more years left of Giannis um, because reports are coming out now that the Lakers wanted Jason Kidd so badly for one reason. Because they know Jason Kidd is going to be able to lure Giannis Atacumbo away from Milwaukee two years from now when he is a free agent. That's apparently the report that's been, you know, sort of floated out there. That the biggest reason why they wanted Jason Kidd, why they were willing to let Ty Lue go, was because they knew Jason Kidd and Giannis have such a tight relationship. That a relationship that uh, was fractured and torn apart by the evil Bucks management when they decided to fire Jason Kidd without even alerting your best player in Giannis, who is best friends and very tight with a guy like Jason Kidd. And now you tear him away like that, there's going to create some animosity. Does Giannis want to win 40 games a year, be the sixth seed in the East, and get bounced to the first round? Or does Giannis want to win he's 60 going to the games? He's going to the Lakers. Or does Giannis want to win 60 games with Mike Budenholzer and go to the finals and compete for a world championship? I know Giannis. I know he's a competitor. I don't know him personally, but I know he's a competitor, and I know he loves the city of Milwaukee. Um, there's something different about him. He's not a typical asshole superstar like you see in today's world. Um, this to me is a stupid rumor. I don't even know what we're talking about it because I'm pretty sure it was from like Wikipedia. No, 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 no. Adrian Wojnarowski. Um, I think that that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Russell Westbrook was supposed to go to the Lakers. Paul George was supposed to go to the Lakers. I mean, but everybody's supposed to go to the Lakers. The Lakers didn't hire Paul George's best friend, pretty much, in the NBA. Jason Kidd and Giannis had a good relationship. Jason, Jason Kidd and Giannis didn't win shit together. Jason Kidd. What, Giannis, you said Giannis loves Milwaukee. 
but he also loves Jason Kidd. I and that's a problem. I would put any amount of cash on it. Jim Karcheski this morning on the old phone call started to feel... I, I could feel the sweat coming off of his head when I told him that. It's it's a little seed. You know, you're just planting a little seed because it's two years down the line. But it's something to be a little concerned about if I were a Milwaukee Bucks I fan. I have no concern in my brain cells about this. There's no part of me that thinks Giannis will ever be in another uniform. I know for a fact... What about Yelich? I think I I know for a fact Yelich will not be in another uniform. These guys are watching their careers be grown in these small market organizations and in a small city that has an amazing fan base and I think they love it. You know, obviously that's completely biased like I don't know personally, but I think Yelich has watched his career just absolutely transform in Milwaukee. He's in he's in he's in contention every year or the two years he's been there so far and i think he loves that uh do you want to go to the yankees and do yankee stuff i mean i just don't think yelch is that type of guy i don't think Giannis is the type of guy to just go to la just to go to la i think these people are actually down home people who want to win a championship for milwaukee not just for themselves i think we've seen it over the last couple of years the rise no, the peak of the Yankees and the Lakers, the big market teams, I think that era is slowly declining. I don't think it's as prevalent anymore as people think. I don't think players care that much about, you know, where they're playing anymore as the media thinks. You know, I think, you know, people say, oh, yeah, he wants to play in L.A. I mean, yeah, it's cool to play in L.A., but also it's like majority of your time is spent, you know, on the basketball court, you know, when you're playing and, I just think, you know, teams, people would rather stay in places where they're happy on the court versus off the court. So I don't think that's, I don't know. I just think it's a little seed you got to throw in there and plant. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're talking about Jason Kidd. He's an assistant coach on the Los Angeles Lakers. Meanwhile, they have a head coach who was just introduced yesterday. And I didn't see, I'm, I'm sure you didn't see either. I didn't see one video, one clip of that press conference. And if I'm Frank Vogel... I mean, I'm not sure of his personality. I mean, sure, he's probably just the type of guy to go along with it because you have to be to coach the Lakers. I mean, he didn't even – I haven't seen anything about him because all yesterday, all we were talking about with the Lakers was Magic Johnson because he went on first take and was talking shit and it was Jason Kidd. And if I'm Frank Vogel, I would be worried right now because everybody else is talking about everything else going on with the franchise except the head coach. I mean, the assistant coach, Jason Kidd, is getting more press than the head coach. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't... I mean, we don't know Frank Vogel's I don't know personality. personality if he, like, gets pissed about that stuff. But, um, you know, I just think that... I, I think I would be a little worried, but at the same time, once the year comes around, you get the press conferences, you get the head job... Everybody's introducing you as the head coach and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, he has to realize he's the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. There's going to be tons of bad clouds around that. Um, you know, every day there's going to be drama you have to deal with. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. Um, but I think, you know, once the year rolls around and he gets all the press, he gets all the conferences, he gets introduced, um, you know, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I think he'll be fine after a long time, a uh, long period. All right, we're going to move now on to football. But before that, uh, Trim, why don't you talk to the guys about D's Home Cuts? D's Home Cuts has been an amazing, amazing addition to my life, me and Travis's life, um, you know, here at TNT Sports Talk. All our friends go there. 
Um, you know, everybody around Ohio goes there. Uh, you know, our great friend Dom, he's been a great guest on the show. Um, you know, one of my best friends, we go way back. Uh, he started this business um, in his basement and he's carried it into an absolute uh, dynasty. He's got clients left and right. He's making money left and right. Um, but you, you go to these home cuts you, at a fair and low price, you get the best haircut you could possibly ever ask for. Um, you know, it's, it'll be a clean, new, shaven look, and you'll be so happy walking out of there. Um, and you'll get a great conversation with my good friend Dom. Uh, but once again, me and Trav love going there. Um, I love Dom, everything he's about. So definitely give these home cuts a try soon. All right. Uh, what do you think when you hear the number, th- when you see the number 32 in a Buffalo Bills uniform? OJ Simpson. You think of OJ Simpson. Well, now you're gonna have to start thinking of Sin Senior Seniorize. I can't pronounce pronounce that name. Seniorize Perry. Seniorize Perry, the first ever Buffalo Bill to wear the number 32 since 1977. Six-year veteran, Mr. Perry has played in the NFL the last couple years, um, mostly as a, as a special teams guy, but he has now come onto the Bills. And I guess he said that he was looking down the list of jerseys. He thought it was retired. I don't know why he'd think O.J. Simpson's number would be retired. Um, but he realized it was open. And he said he took it. He said somebody's got to do it. And he just went ahead and took it. Um, bold move by Mr. Perry, I think. Um, but I, honestly, I believe it's a good decision for the Bills to allow people to wear that number. I don't know why they haven't let you know anybody wear it or you know kind of had anybody wear it. I mean, I think players maybe, you know, don't want to wear it because it's got a, a lot of notoriety behind it. I mean, it's a national news story now um, that somebody took it, but it's a good move by the Bills, I think, because it sort of gets away from O.J. Simpson a little bit more. I think you distance yourself a little bit more from him. Um, but yeah, number 32 is back on the field in Buffalo. I like it. Good move. Um, you know, like you said, it gets the Bills a little bit more away from that bad stigma that O.J. Simpson brought. As much of a great player he was, Obviously, there's a lot of bad things involved in him. Um, so I think this is a good good move by the organization. I don't know if letting a no-name running back take it is is particularly the best. I mean, if you have a good player, you know, you add a good player from free agency or draft a player high, and they take 32, that makes a little bit more sense than just some bum name um but when i was doing this story i read that name and i thought he was like an undrafted rookie because i I don't know a lot about him um and yeah i think it makes sense to give it to you know a bigger name guy but i think that'd be more of a big bigger story i guess you could say um i don't know i mean the bills obviously got thrown a complete you know grenade when they got you know oj simpson on their team and now they got to deal with it and they're still dealing with it and last time he played for the bills was 1977 so yeah i mean at some point you have gonna have to move on yeah. if you're gonna retire the number which you obviously probably weren't gonna do then you should have retired it if you weren't gonna give it to anybody uh but since you know it wasn't retired somebody had to take it um and you know a bold move by the perry kid here but uh you know if i were the bills i would have given it to someone a little bit more no with like a noticing name all right, let's talk about another possible jersey retirement in the next couple of years here. Gerald McCoy has mutually parted ways with the Buccaneers. One of the all-time great Buccaneers defensive linemen. Still, I mean, yeah, he's fallen a little bit down 
Um, he's past his prime a little bit, but he still has a lot left in the tank, in my opinion, and he is going to get a lot of free agent offers, um, which in turn I think is going to help out Nadamik and Sue, um, who's still available as well. But apparently he wants to still make money. He still wants to get a sizable, nice contract, but he wants to go to a contender, which is fair because he really hasn't played for a contender at all his entire career. I mean, I think he deserves to go to a winner. Everybody's saying the Browns, and I would completely kill myself if he went to the Browns because I would not want to deal. We live in Cleveland. I don't want to deal with the shit that would come from Gerald McCoy going to the Browns because, like Eric Berry, he's not as good as he once was, but Browns fans, because they don't know football that well, they still view the name as like he's some all-pro star like Eric Berry who was coming off an Achilles tear. Um, but... We'll see what happens. I know the Cowboys are also interested. Um, a lot of teams are interested. But all-time great for the Buccaneers. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. And I think, honestly, it's going to be weird seeing him in a different uniform. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Daryl McCoy was obviously a really good player younger in his career. And he's still a very good player, like you said. And he will definitely have some production somewhere, especially if he gets in a good system with a good defense coordinator. Um, and there's going to be a lot of interest there. Um, but at the same time, you're not getting a you know, a world game-changing player um, like he once was. Uh, but you are getting a very, very good, consistent uh, defensive lineman, and he would be a great addition for anybody. Uh, the Browns, you know, they don't really need him, but uh, John Dorsey is just into just getting as much talent as he can and just dealing with the shit later. Uh, so, I mean, I could definitely see that being a possibility. Uh, but just, you know, teams around the league who just need interior help, just look for them to... Uh, check out Gerald McCoy, but at the same time, you know, Dinamican Sue hasn't been, you know, picked up yet, and I don't know if it's just not the right prices places, so I don't know if there's a lot of teams out there who necessarily need interior defense linemen, uh, but he and Sue will for sure be on a team by uh, come July. Yeah, and I think big part of Sue is just because he's sort of an asshole, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, and Gerald McCoy is actually a pretty nice guy, so I think he'll get picked up pretty quickly, but we'll see what happens. All right, let's move on now to our off-season review. This is Sherman's first off-season review. We did the Cardinals. We have done the 49ers. Let's do the Rams sticking in that NFC West division. Um, the Rams last year, 13-3 with a trip to the Super Bowl where they lost to the New England Patriots. Um, and they faced an off-season where they, they had this challenge of trying to get better while also trying to keep the same roster together. Because, I mean, obviously you still want to get back to the Super Bowl, but you got to do enough to sort of put yourself ahead to where you could actually beat the Patriots at this time. So, what happened over the offseason? They lost some some key players, some key people from last year, a couple starters. They lost Ndamukong and Sue. They lost Mark Barron. Those are two defensive starters right there off the board. They lost Roger Saffold, who I think, I mean, me and Truman were high on Saffold. He is one of, you know, the most underrated guards in the NFL, and he was a big piece of that offensive line. And they lost C.J. Anderson, who completely came on late, late addition, late signing, and was huge for the Rams in the playoffs especially because Todd Gurley, I mean, we don't really know what's going on with Todd Gurley yet and his injuries, but he just was not a factor towards the end there. And C.J. Anderson filled that hole as good as any late addition signing free agent signing could do um and he's gone now but 
They did add, you know, a couple key players here. They added Blake Bortles as a solid backup. I think that's going to help out Jared Goff. Uh, I think those two will work well together, and I think Blake Bortles, you know, will be able to sit behind um, Goff and, you know, hold the clipboard. And whenever he's ready, he'll be able to go in there if, God forbid, anything ever happened to Jared Goff. Then they signed Clay Matthews. They took him from the Packers. Um, Clay needed a fresh start. We can both agree with that. Um, he needed something that would work better for him. And I think a situational pass rushing place could also be better for him. And I think that's going to help with the Rams. Oh, they also lost LaMarcus Joyner. I forgot about that. Probably the biggest loss, honestly. LaMarcus Joyner was a huge safety for them. But they replaced that with Eric Weddle, who is towards the end of his career, coupled maybe two three years left. But at his prime, Eric Weddle was one of the best, if not the best, safeties in the game. And I still think he has a little bit left in the tank. Now, you go to the draft. After a pretty decent offseason, I think we both agree, uh, in terms of free agency, they had, I think, one of the most underrated draft classes. They got Taylor Rapp in the second round. They didn't have a first-round pick. And they took Taylor Rapp, who is a safety out of Washington. First-round talent, Taylor Rapp. A couple injuries later in the season. If not for those, he would have been a first-round pick easily. They got him in the second round. They got Daryl Henderson, a running back from uh, Memphis, who's going to back up Todd Gurley. Then they took David Long, a solid cornerback from Michigan. Then they replaced that offensive line by taking Bobby Evans, a guard from Oklahoma, and David Edwards, Sherman knows the guard from Wisconsin. And then they also took Dakota Allen, whose last chance you guy had to throw that in there. So, Truman, the question is, did the Rams do enough to not only get back to the Super Bowl, but maybe take them above where they were last year, to win the Super Bowl. I think they're going to be right. In contention in the NFC again. Um, once again, I will always question Jared Goff until he proves me wrong. Um, I, I think Jared Goff is one of the most overrated quarterbacks in the NFL. I think he's a very good player. I think he's in a very good system, though. And I think he, um, I think he's not ready for the big lights just yet. Now... You know, being in the Super Bowl, being in the bright lights, that'll help him. You know, he has a little bit of experience under his belt um, playing Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. I mean, that's just that's just worlds of experience right there, and I think that could help him. Uh, but once again, if the Rams don't get home field advantage and, you know, a, a cold-weather team gets home field advantage, I think that's such a huge thing that people don't talk about because I don't think Jared Goff could go to Green Bay in the middle of January and win a playoff game. I don't think he could go to Philadelphia in the middle of January win a playoff game. I don't think he would go to, you know, any team, uh, Chicago, you know, in the middle of January win a playoff game. I just do not think, and those teams are very good chances to be, you know, uh, teams up there in, you know, um, in the NFC. I think if the Rams get through this season and they go 13-3 again and the, the NFC has to go through L.A., then I think you have a very good shot at seeing the Rams again in the Super Bowl. But I think it is such an underrated factor of if the Rams don't get home field advantage and they really got to go on the road for these games, I don't think they have a chance at all. Two things, though, in my opinion, uh, that is going to play a huge factor on the Rams season. One, they're getting cut back. They're getting Cooper cut back. When he when he uh, got hurt, you saw their offense if production just went way down. He's a huge part of what the Rams do. And you saw that when they drafted him. I mean, they traded up to get him. Second, what is going on with Todd Gurley? 
Todd Gurley has had an injury the last couple of uh, weeks there. You saw he didn't get as many carries in the Super Bowl. People were saying he's walking around L.A. in the offseason in a big boot, and he's limping around. I think that injury is way more serious than what uh, you know either Todd Gurley or the Rams organization is willing to let on. Because you saw in the playoffs, I mean, C.J. Anderson got majority of the carries, and that makes no sense because why would you give C.J. Anderson the majority of the carries when Todd Gurley is a first-team all-pro running back? And I think that's something that we have to watch for. I mean, they took Daryl Henderson, who in the, I think they took him in the third round. I mean, he was, you know, he's going to be a good running back for them. You know, why would you take a running back if you don't think Todd Gurley is completely healthy? And I think that's going to be a huge factor with the Rams this season. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, if Todd Gurley's healthy, um, you know, that adds a whole nother, whole nother uh, factor into stopping the Rams. Uh, but if he's not healthy, that really takes out an entire phase of the game for them. Um, and you they know, still have Sean McVay. Yeah, I mean, they still have Sean McVay, and he's one of the best coaches in the league. But you just have to look at that, um, the Todd Gurley thing, and, you know, if he... You know, spent a whole offseason rehabbing and he's back to 100%. Then you've got a really good player and you've got a whole other phase back in your offense. But if this is a career thing that he's going to be dealing with and nagging with, uh, then the Rams are really talking about some issues. And uh, I would be concerned if I was a Rams fan. But at the same time, I would just want to see Ty Gurley, you know, in spring or spring training, in training camp, um, you know, 100%. And, you know, you go from there. Yeah, I think you go from there. Uh, so 13-3 last year, I think they finished 12-4, and which should have been their record last year if Ty Montgomery's dumbass didn't take the ball out of the end zone. Um, so I'm saying 12-4. and I, think, I, st- I don't think they'll go to the Super Bowl again. I think they'll still be a big factor in the playoffs. I don't think I think the home field advantage, like you said, is going to be a huge factor. Uh, so I'm saying 12-4, and which is a good record. For them, but um, a little bit worse than they were last. Not worse, a little bit less, less I guess you could say, than last year. Uh, I'm going to go 11-5. and five. I think they'll be right in the divisional to NFC Championship game. That division is a lot better. Yeah, and uh, I just think 11-5 and five is probably a good record for them. And stick, you know, they'll probably be in the divisional NFC Championship, like I said, uh, in there. I don't think they're the Super Bowl. I don't think they're the favorite in the NFC. Um, they're definitely not going to be my pick, but they could, I could easily see the Rams at the end of the year being in the Super Bowl. All right, um, that's it for that. Um, let's move on to baseball right now. We only got one thing to talk about with baseball, and that's Jonas Jonas Cespedes. Uh, I just call him Cespedes. So Cespedes has been uh, out for the entire season. Highest paid Mets player, making about $29 million this, this season. Um, and if you know, Cespedes is a big, he's kind of a strange guy. Got a lot of cars, a lot of you know extravagant cars. But he also owns a ranch. Um, he loves riding horses and working on his ranch. So while rehabbing, which, I mean, we'll get to this in a second, why is your highest paid player working on his ranch while he's supposedly rehabbing an injury? Um, I guess he stepped into some sort of hole or something, and he broke his ankle, and he's out for the season. Um, This just shows, honestly, it shows a couple things. It shows how big of a dumpster fire the Mets actually are, um, and it shows uh, how weird baseball is with injuries. I mean, I think baseball has some of the weirdest injuries 
in the world in any sports. I mean, you look, remember Jonathan Lucroy a couple years ago? He broke his hand because his wife accidentally slammed the suitcase on it or something like Mm -hmm. that. Uh, Blake Snell, like, slipped in the shower or something. Like, they just, I don't know if it's, like, weird injuries or they just always happen or they just cover them up for some reason. But let's get back to the Mets. Cespedes broke his ankle. They had $158 million opening day payroll. That's the highest payroll in club history. They are now going to be paying $29 million to Cespedes this season, and he will not even be playing. Why? Explain this to me, Truman. Why is your highest paid player working on his ranch while he's supposed to be rehabbing and getting back to uh, Major League Baseball? Uh, I couldn't tell you. I mean, it kind of just shows his immaturity. Um, you know, you got to you gotta be more committed to the game than that. You got to be more committed to your rehab. You got to be more committed to the team that's paying you that much money. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you're the Mets, you kind of got to shut that shit down. I mean, did you know that he was working on the ranch, or did you not know? Like, it, was I mean, it could have been a freak him? injury, but still. I mean, why is he even risking that? Yeah, I mean, you're getting that much money. Uh, just shut it down. I mean... Really, why are you working a ranch for regular with money? Excuse me. I mean, like seriously, if, if you're making that much money, commit to making that much money. Commit to the team and the organization that's paying you that much money, um, and don't risk anything. I don't really know why you need to be working on your ranch when you're making that much money, but uh, you know, people do what they what people please to do. Uh, but I just think it just shows his immaturity as a player, um, and I would be very very pissed if I was a Mets. Uh, fan or organization member and i mean the mets it's a mess right now i mean yeah they have jeff mcneil yeah they have alonzo and they have some you know nice young pieces but you know they're 21 25 they're in third place right now apparently somebody said that if there isn't an extreme turnaround by june mickey calloway will be fired and honestly it's biased probably because i'm an indians fan i don't think mickey calloway is that big of a problem i think it's the management i mean they're they made some pretty dumb moves they signed uh wilson ramos to like a a huge deal, and he's not playing that well this season. Uh, they traded away. They traded for Robinson Cano and De- Edwin Diaz. They traded away in that deal. You know, a couple big time prospects, and I think it's the management. Honestly, uh, their GM, I, I can't remember his name right now. Uh, I think he's a big part of the issue there. I, as honestly as I can be, as less biased as I can be, Mickey Callaway is not the problem. I think it's the management, and I think it's the guys they're bringing in, and I think that's the biggest issue you have with the Mets right now. I just think that there's more issues to it than um, you know just the manager, and it sucks because in all sports it's like this. The manager, the head coach, always is like the first one to blame, but there's a lot of other issues that go into it. Um, there's a lot of personalities that go into it. You know, There's a lot of dysfunction that goes into it it's not just all on this guy one person's shoulders um and the Mets have been a freaking dumpster fire of a franchise as far I mean they went to the World Series you know a couple times but as far as like just the way they ran um it's just been kind of a dumpster fire for years so why just bring this guy in give him barely a chance and then blame it on him and then let you know fire him it's just not going to get your problem solved uh, I think the Mets really just need to deep root what the hell is going on and um, figure that out from there. But I just, you know, you didn't really even give this guy a chance. So Yeah, I mean, the Mets, the Jets, the Lakers, all these teams, 
I mean, they look to their coaching and their players to fix their team when honestly they should just look at their own management structure and fix it from there. If they really want to get know where they need to be i think it all starts with any sports team i think it starts with your management structure and how well those guys work together that's how you really build a winner um but we will keep watch on this obviously if mickey callaway is going to be fired we'll report on that um and it's looking like it's going to be soon him and you know don manningly uh, has been you know reportedly those two are going to be out of uh, looking for a job within the next couple of months here so we'll see what happens with that Quick side note before we end the show today, PGA Championship is over this weekend, the second of the five majors. Um, Brooks Kepka won. Uh, he absolutely dominated on Thursday. Uh, I think he was under 12, set a course record on Thursday. Um, played well on Friday. Then he shot over four for the weekend, so he kind of fell back a little bit, but he has such a huge lead it didn't matter. Um, Brooks Kepka, keep watch on him. He, uh, I think the... Uh, what is it? The U.S. Open is in Pebble Beach in a couple weeks. Uh, he won there last year, um, won the U.S. Open last year. So we'll see if he can go back-to-back like he did with the PGA Championship. Any thoughts on that? Uh, I don't have much of a thought. Uh, I mean, Tiger didn't look good. Um, Apparently he was sick, though. That's what I've heard. You know, I wish he would have put up more of a consistent performance. To just, I just wanted to prove to people that it wasn't really a fluke, um, you know, Masters performance. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I can't really comment much on professional golf. Um, it's not really my cup of tea. Yeah, I mean, that's honestly, it's a very, it's a rarity for us to be talking about golf on the podcast. But uh, we're going to try to get more into it uh, as the golf season progresses. So, yeah, Brooks Kepka winning the PGA Championship. Huge deal um, for him. And, uh, you know, he's only 29 years old and he's consistently winning majors. Um, you know, he said, majors for him are easier than anything else um and they asked him why and he said because you know half of the field just cannot win it because mentally they just can't do it i don't know physically they just can't do it so you take away and it goes down to like 70 guys right there and then half of those 70 guys just don't have the mental ability to get up for a major and you take away half of that so it goes down to 35 and then he said um out of those 35 guys, half of those guys just can't win just because of the course and how difficult the course is and versus their style. Um, so he says, reality, you really only have to beat you know, 15, 20 guys uh, in a major. So he likes playing in majors, which is interesting because most people would rather, you know, they think majors are harder because obviously there's more press coverage. But that's just an interesting side note there. Uh, let's move on now to the end of the show today. We want to thank you to Dee's Home Cuts Dom. Uh, you're a boy. Thank you for sponsoring our show. Continue to uh, sponsor it, and we'll continue to keep reading your ad uh, as you keep looking, as you keep making all the guys around Medina haircut look amazing. So go try to check him out on Instagram at these home cuts. Send him a DM if you are interested in getting a haircut. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Leave us five star rating. Write us a review. Subscribe. Instagram. Where are we at? We're good. I mean. I'm working on it. Get this phone fixed, and we'll get it running. All right, we'll get it running. That's his promise. Uh, follow us also on Twitter at TND Sports Talk 12. We are going to have a guest on Thursday. I'm going to promise that to you right now. We're getting Truman back in the studio a little bit more. Um, but even if he's not here Thursday, we'll have a guest for you, so it's not a single show. Uh, so follow us on Twitter to get the update with that. Um, 
you can send us a DM. Our DMs are always open for questions, comments, concerns. If you need to reach us, send us a DM on Twitter, especially if you want to be a guest on the show. Um, so go ahead and check that out. Other than that, though, have a great day. Tune in on Thursday where we're going to go through the playoffs. You good? Yeah. Uh, we're going to see if Truman's phone gets fixed by Thursday. He's going to the Apple Store, so pray for him. As soon as this show's over, he's heading out. Um, so give him a quick prayer, send up for him, um, and we'll show you. We'll come back on Thursday. Hopefully, the Bucks, you know, have won a game. Yep. In Truman's case, hopefully they lost. So go Bucks. Have a great day. See you on Thursday. Go Packers. <laughs>